I got it. <clears throat> I felt the vibration then, so let's try it now. Well, I said, I'm sorry, Keith, I should have had you stay up here. It's not my it's fault. Not your fault. <laughs> oh, haha. There we go. Okay, let's. All right. We'll blame it on the clicker, not you. Let's hope so. There we go. <clears throat> In the beginning was matter, which begat the amoeba, which begat the worm, which begat the fish which begat the reptile, which begat the amphibian, which begat the lower mammal, which begat the monkey, which begat man, who then imagined God. This is the genealogy of man. So says Mr. Charles Smith, a noted evolutionist, the founder and the very first president of the American Association for the Advancement of Atheism. In his little booklet that he wrote in the year 1929 called Godless Evolution. Certainly, ladies and gentlemen, we are living in a chaotic environment. And one of the great reasons for this is because our moral climate has become come so immoral, and it's largely due to the situation that is just described. Make no mistake, brethren, the most damning and degrading doctrine that we as modern humanity face is this notion that humans are nothing more than a higher species of animal. And individuals like Mr. Charles Smith and many, many others with him are doing everything they can to persuade and convince millions of millions of people to deny the existence of Almighty God. They want everyone to know through their propagation that there is no God, except for the fact there was a man centuries ago named Moses who by inspiration penned the very same first three words I quoted to you earlier. 
but with a completely different and opposite message thereafter. When he wrote, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Why does it seem that our world has become so chaotic? Why are we facing today a culture that now glorifies sin, that praises activities and behavior that even at one time we thought to be criminal and now is legal and accepted as that which is good. Why has everything turned upside down? Why is all that is wrong now made to believe that everything is right? Well, the simple answer to those questions lies in our understanding of our worldview. Now that term in bold on your screen, worldview, it's kind of a catchy buzzword today. And the word worldview simply refers to the lens through which people see their world. And it becomes their philosophy. In other words, when we talk about one's worldview, we're actually referring to how one determines how he thinks as well as how he lives. So, one may have on one side, one may choose to have a godless worldview. One may fall into the same camp of Mr. Charles Smith, Mr. Charles Darwin, and all others who embrace evolution. And they will tell you that nobody is out there for you. And every one of you who chooses to believe in a superior being, a created, a creator who created us, all of you are left being duped. Or you may choose a different worldview. You may choose a godly worldview, a Christian worldview, a worldview that actually embraces the B-I-B-L-E, the book that is for me, and the affirmation that states we have been created by a creator who created the heavens and the earth, and yes, there is someone out there. Ladies and gentlemen, you'll have to make that determination. We serve a God who will not force himself upon you, but he gives you all the evidence you need to be able to make that choice yourself, and he gives you all the evidence you require to be able to make an informed decision. What has happened 
to our worldview today? Why are we struggling for clarity in a chaotic world? Well, through the decades, our biblical worldview has become both diluted as well as polluted every single day with the things that we watch, the movies, the television programs, the things that we listen to, the music, the things that we read, books, education. You know as well as I do the influence we've been having by social media as both a constructive tool, but in many, many ways that which has caused a lot of harm in our culture today. Politics, I mean, they all add up. All of these things have had an effect, and it should remind us of the very words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 12, 1 and 2. When Paul said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. Would you rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? That's what's happened to our worldview. We have allowed so much of the world's view to invade what should have been all along a Christian worldview. And we're waking up today, generations later. And ladies and gentlemen, this is not the world our grandparents lived in. And it breaks my heart. And I have no doubt it breaks yours as well. So what are we doing? We are struggling in a chaotic world. We are striving for a call for clarity in a chaotic world. I'm very humbled and excited to be able to kick off your summer series and with that introduction now in place, I would like to discuss the topic assigned for me this evening. The question, is there anyone out there? Is there anyone out there? Let's examine the answer to that question. We'll do so with three points. We begin with our first one. Is there anyone out there? Yes. Our Creator is out there. Oh yes, our Creator is out there. To the faithful Christian, there is nothing more important than the proclamation of the old Jerusalem gospel that you have in your possession and that I have in mine that is able to save our souls. And I know... We live in a world 
where there are so many other religions that combat Christianity, religions that are very, very often shrouded in secrecy, but not Christianity, not pure New Testament Christianity, we are exactly the opposite. A truly godly religion is not shrouded in secrecy. We actually welcome open investigation, critical evaluation, because ladies and gentlemen, we have an historical religion with the evidence of an empty tomb. There's our evidence. Anyone may travel and determine that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is no longer in His tomb. But let's remind ourselves that the same historical God that resurrected from the dead three days after He died is the same God beforehand that created the heavens and the earth. The same God, Genesis 1.1. This is where our Christian worldview begins. It begins where the Bible begins. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This passage is foundational for the rest of our Bibles. I want you to consider with me the importance and seriousness of this. If we allow the atheist, if we allow the evolutionist to rob us of what Genesis 1-1 means, if we allow the world to undermine our Christian worldview and to cause us to doubt that there is someone out there, a superior, higher being who created us as well as the universe, if we allow that, then the rest of your Bible crumbles. Because the obvious question anyone may ask thereafter is, if I can't trust Genesis 1-1, what else in this Bible can I trust? If I can't believe you, the Christian, believes Genesis 1-1, if that's not true, then what else in the Bible is true? And you have just robbed us of all truth and authority. To preach Jesus Christ is to preach that He is our Creator, even before He is our Savior. You remember how John's Gospel begins, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Verse 3 all things were created by Him. 
The Word. The Word who would later be revealed unto us in verse 14 that would become flesh. All things were made by Him and without Him was not anything made that was made. Are we going to believe that the book of Genesis is really nothing more, as one author put it, is really nothing more than a fairy tale written by some old, senile Hebrew storyteller who could really do no better than what he did because those ignorant Jews didn't deserve any better? Is that what we're going to believe? Or are we going to believe in a creator who centuries later would become our Savior? The truth of the matter is if there was no creator, then there is no Savior. In fewer words than the average sports writer would use to discuss a Friday night football game, Moses, by inspiration, informs us of creation of the universe. He informs us of the entrance of sin to humanity, and he informs us of the need of redemption. Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3. Without that information, there's no way that we could adequately answer the question assigned to me tonight. There's no way that we could answer that question. Is there anyone out there? The answer is yes. Our Creator is out there. And He is out there because Jesus Himself gives the stamp of approval as to the fact that Genesis is to be believed. It is literal. Now let's see if we can't let's see if we can't work backwards. I'm gonna start over here and go back. Let's start it. Let's see if we can go backwards. Now let's take the person of Jesus the Christ, born in Bethlehem, reared in Nazareth, lived 30, 33 some odd years before he died. Does anyone doubt? the historicity of Jesus? For the most part, ladies and gentlemen, there are very few that really sufficiently doubt that Jesus really lived. Even the atheist, even the skeptic, concedes that there is enough historical evidence to prove that Jesus really existed as a man. He really did. Now, we can argue whether or not he was who he claimed to be. But very, very few doubt that he actually was an historical figure. You should realize there is more written about the man Jesus than any other human who has ever lived on this planet. So he is an historical figure. 
Now, he is the one who in his life would make certain quotations and references to the book of Genesis. He validates Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 as actual historical events, not figurative fairy tales. Matthew 19, verses 3 and 4, he alluded to not just Genesis chapter 1, but also Genesis chapter 2 in his discussion on marriage, quoted from them. In Matthew 23, 35, he refers to Abel as a real man who really lived, the son of Adam and Eve. In Matthew 24, 37 through 39, he makes reference to the flood of Noah as an actual, literal event. In John chapter 8 and verse 44, he references Satan to be the father of all liars. And that reference takes us back to that which occurs in Genesis chapter 3. What does all this mean, church? What this means is that Jesus the Christ, our Lord and Savior, gives His stamp of approval by the multiple references to Genesis chapters 1 through 3 that prove Jesus knew that those events literally happened. They are not false. Yes, our Creator is out there because it is the only plausible solution. It's the only plausible option when we consider the origin of life. Before you on the screen, there are three possibilities, and there are no more, as to how the universe came into being. Number one, it may be the case that the universe is eternal. It's always been here. Option number two, the universe is not eternal, but it actually created itself out of nothing. Or option three, the universe is not eternal, but it was created by something or someone superior to it. Now, those, that's it. Those are your only three options. Let's take them individually. Option number one, is the universe eternal? The answer to that is easily answered no. And even our evolutionists, even the scientists of today, know very, very well. And even they will state that the universe is not eternal. They uh, come to that conclusion because of the laws of thermodynamics, because of the motion of the galaxies, because of the life stories of the stars in our solar system, all of them show the universe is not eternal. So even those who subscribe to evolution do not hold to this view. So it must be either two or three. Option two or three. 
it's not eternal, but either it created itself out of nothing or it was created by a creator. Now, if we consider option number two, did it create itself, itself out of nothing? Here's what true science proclaims. The first law of thermodynamics states that matter is incapable of creating itself. That is a law of science. That is a law of the universe. That is not a theory, ladies and gentlemen. That is a law. Matter cannot create itself. It is an effect. And evolutionists are still searching for the cause. And they cannot arrive at the answer. There is no amount of science capable of proclaiming the answer without them conceding that option number three is the right option. There is a creator who created the universe. It is exactly as the Hebrews writer stated in Hebrews 3 and verse 4. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. Yes, there is a creator, and he is out there. Number two, is there anyone out there? Yes. And it is foolish to deny such. Yes. And it is foolish to deny, stu- uh, deny such. The psalmist truthfully declared, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. Psalm 14, 1 and 53, 1. Literally millions around the world have believed this despicable doctrine of evolution to a greater or lesser degree, sometimes even with a religious air of evangelism. We are living in a day and a time, church, where there are very antagonistic atheists who with the aid of the internet and social media They are working hard to convince anyone who will pay them any amount of time and attention. In an effort to convince them, Christianity is hogwash and that atheism is the right choice. Why do so many people Deny the existence of a creator. Have you ever stopped and asked yourself that question? Why are there so many that find themselves described by the psalmist here? Why are so many so foolish? Have they intellectually analyzed the situation? Have they honestly accepted this argument based on solid evidence? I submit before you that the answer largely is no. Because 
It's rather made on a variety of emotional reasons that they have embraced this false notion that the origin of the universe came from itself and not God. Back in 1974, Marshall and Sandra Hall published a book. They entitled it, Truth, God, or Evolution? And they listed several reasons why individuals deny the existence of a Creator. I'd like to share these reasons with you. In the first place, it's a matter of brainwashing. Many deny the existence of a Creator because they've been brainwashed. <laughs> and I know, isn't that ironic? They are usually the very ones who accuse us of being brainwashed. They are usually the ones who will speak of you and of me and of saying, Oh, all of you Christians, why all of you have been duped by the holy water. You are brainwashed and have been brainwashed for centuries because don't you know that religion is nothing more than the creation by the Catholic Church to keep her subjects under their rule and thumb of authority? And all of you have, y'all have, have been sucked right in, hook, line, and sinker. Usually the accusation is that we've been brainwashed. I submit to you tonight, church, we are not the ones who are brainwashed. It is actually them. It was back in the year 1859 when Charles Darwin first came out with his first edition of The Origin of Species, the infamous book, he wrote about evolution. Its first printing had just a little more than a thousand copies. And he sold every one of them the first day of its release. Now, by no means did he originate the idea of evolution, but he definitely popularized it. And look how far we've come since that time. Now, how many of you remember at least studying and hearing about the Scopes Monkey Trials? Remember that? At least hearing about that, learning that? 1929. Uh, 1925, excuse me, July 1925, 24-year-old John Thomas Scopes, a high school science teacher in Dayton, Tennessee, chose to violate our great state's Butler Law, a law which at that time forbade the teaching of any theory that humanity descended from a lower life form. While the entire affair was rigged, it brought together famed criminal defense attorney Clarence Darrow, who represented Scopes, and three-time Democratic nominee for president William Jennings Bryan, who represented the state of Tennessee. And that trial, in that day, 
broadcast on the radio, the first trial ever to be broadcast all across national airwaves brought national attention to the issue of creation versus evolution. But what it did is it brought, it cast the concept of creation in an unfavorable light. And the theory of evolution gained considerable, albeit undeserved, respectability in the public eye. What we have seen, church, is that through those decades, late 1800s, 1900s, now into the 2000s, we've seen more and more and more and more people simply fall right in and embrace what they hear in the public without truly examining the evidence for themselves. That, by definition, is they are brainwashed. Reason number one. Reason number two, individuals deny the existence of a creator, is intimidation. Intimidation. Supposedly, the theory of evolution has the endorsement of science. And for all of you Nacho Libre fans out there, I quote, I believe in science. And there are those who are just like that. And so they treat evolution as if it were a scientific law, like the law of gravity. Ladies and gentlemen, that is false. Evolution is not a law. And it will never be a law. It is at its best a theory. Nothing more, nothing less, because it is an unprovable proposition. Don't ever let the academic world convince you that evolution is anything more than a theory. An unproven, unprovable theory. But so many people want others to think of them as being educated. They don't want to be castigated as an imbecile unlearned, all you ignorant Christians. And so they are intimidated. Number three, a third reason is religious confusion. Religious confusion. Many, and even in many in recent years, have become so disgusted with all the confusion in the religious world and very often cruel conditions in the religious world. And so they have bought into this notion, maybe you've heard this, they bought into this notion that religion is the reason for all of the chaos in the world. They are actually bold and brazen enough to say that religion is the cause and look at all the confusion in the religious world. 
and look at all the chaos in the religious world. And this is why we have so much chaos in the world today, by pointing the finger at religious confusion. Now, we can certainly grieve that such chaos does exist in the religious world at large. But the truth is out there. It is out there like a needle in a haystack, but it is there. The truth is there. It's sometimes shrouded and hidden behind the counterfeit religions of the world. And sometimes it takes an individual searching and searching and searching and praying before they ever find the truth. But they'll find it. They'll find it. Tangible evidence. They look for tangible evidence thinking that the fossils will give it to them. The fossils do not. And they escape responsibility. Romans 1. The reason that they deny Creator is to escape the responsibility to the one who created them. Yes, the one who is our Creator. He is out there. And to deny such is foolish.